From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Maybe most importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and those brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. In 2019, Atlanta is a major player in national culture. Whether it's music, film, or business, there's a ton happening in our city. That's where Brandon Butler and his team at Butter ATL come in. Butter is a new media company that spawned from a local digital agency, and they describe themselves as Atlanta's culture channel. Brandon is the team's executive director, and as you'll learn from hearing his story, he is uniquely suited to run this innovative startup. So I grew up in a Stone Mountain. Okay. Um, graduated of Redan High School. Uh, on Stone Mountain was, um, you know, was was involved in a lot of entrepreneurial and very hustler related hustler related things. Yeah. Um, in a good way, <laughs> but just always <laughs> into stuff, looking for opportunities. Um, ended up uh, going when I graduated. I went to Morehouse um, for for a minute. It wasn't really the vibe I was looking for. Um, got a lot of great friends who went up there and know a ton of great folks that graduated. But I think for me, just having grown up in the city um, and been around for a while, just going downtown wasn't yeah. really, I wanted something different. Uh, so I ended up going to Georgia Southern, um, which I loved, you know, just mm-hmm. having a, I always kind of say like that uh, college town experience Yeah, is something that you just you gotta you gotta experience if you get the opportunity for it. So talk about uh, culture shock, man. Morehouse to Georgia Southern. That, yeah, it that's was a little it, different, huh? It was a lot different. <laughs> uh, yeah, Morehouse is all male. You know, HBCU yeah. right. um, in the AUC, Georgia Southern, uh, very different in Statesboro. But I just yeah. you know I think when I went down there the first time, my best friend and some other folks went down there, and I went down there and visited. I just yeah. knew that's what I kind of wanted. Sure. Um, it was you know far enough away from home where. You could still get back, you know, if you need to get back. But it was just, it was just interesting, right? I went down yeah. there and visited. Uh, pretty sure it was for Players Ball, which was like mm-hmm. the Georgia Southern version of Freak Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a good time that weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, just when I went down there, I just got this vibe of, you know, being in college. This is what I kind of always thought college was going to be like. So yeah. I ended up moving down there the following year. Uh, original major was uh, physics, but ended up kind of translating that and ended up graduating with a degree in uh, IT. So came out uh, as, as a tech grad, um, it, it was a graduate with the IT program, and also had a, mi- a minor in mass comm and Japanese. Okay. It was weird. <laughs> I was in Japanese, but the Japanese program got uh, closed down. So I had maybe all but one or two classes to get yeah. a minor in Japanese, which I never use unless I get a couple of drinks, it starts coming out then. Um, <laughs> but then uh, mass comm was something, because I always wanted to kind of work in radio. Yeah. I always had this, you know, this vision of working in radio. That was kind of my dream job. So, uh, you know, after I got the, the degree, came back to Atlanta, you know, worked around, worked, uh, worked doing like different IT jobs, everything from, you know, web dev to I was a certified hacker for a while. <laughs> I was a, you know, IT admin um, and I always, again, wanted to kind of work in radio. Hmm. Uh, so ended up going to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Yeah. And uh, that was, I think, 2005. Um, okay. 
went to Kinetic School of Broadcasting, and while I was there, I started my first podcast uh, mm-hmm. with a couple of buddies of mine that were, that were in, the, in the class with me. And some kind of way, I was able to turn that into an opportunity to actually, you know, I tried to get into like different radio stations yeah. over the years. And uh, what ended up happening was I saw that Sports Radio 79 The Zone had a uh, internship. So yeah, I had an opportunity to get an internship, um, or at least applied for one. It was going through the process, and they told me I was grossly overqualified <laughs> to be an intern. Uh, but what happened was they also mentioned that they were in the early stages looking for a webmaster, okay. and they just said, you know, stay in, stay in touch with us. And so I just stayed in touch, just kept sending emails, you know, and over probably about four to six months, um, they were finally like, all right, we're ready to hire a webmaster, and I mm-hmm. had to go through that application process. Ended up getting the job and became the first webmaster for 790 The Zone uh, as they were really moving kind of into this new space of doing more stuff in digital yeah. and creating like online content. With it being an online, with it being an FM station, there was, you know, we had a lot of limitations to right. what we could do from a signal standpoint, but really quickly realized there was a big opportunity to kind of do some different stuff uh, with online content and online. So <laughs> really just did a lot of like really fun, crazy things while I was there. I had a good probably like four and a half, five year run there before they sold the company, but <laughs> I mean, we were doing everything from, at that point, we were like the flagship for the Hawks, Braves, Falcons. Yeah. I think we were also like the Atlanta Thrashers, Georgia Tech um, at that point. And, rest uh, in peace, Atlanta Thrashers. Yeah, rest in peace, yeah. Atlanta Thrashers. Yeah. And had a really good time. We got to meet a lot of interesting people and kind of started sure. to learn how this whole radio, media, kind of agency world started to work. And so that was like my real first introduction to it. Mm. Um, what was it like for you to, you know, I think sports radio – is historically, um, you know, kind of like a, an old boys club, sort of. And those guys, at that point when you worked there, I think most of the guys at that station had probably been in the game for, what, 20, 25 years, totally, something totally. like that. So you you come along and you start to take these guys who are terrestrial radio guys 100% and move them into a digital, digital world. Was that a tough um, kind of – uh, coaching point for oh, you, or yeah. did, were they? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, look, I, I always joke, even with Stake, right? I remember I set up Stake's first Twitter account, and uh, I remember I had to have a meeting with them and like Mayhem in the AM. And, and some of the guys got, and I think some of them, you know, like even Stake was like, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was, it was early. I don't even really think Facebook was like popping like that at that <laughs> point. And, um, and, you know, they, they started adopting it and kind of getting into it slowly mm-hmm. but surely over time. I think the biggest, the biggest adjustment was really just, you know, everybody just understanding kind of how the web was going to work as yeah. it related to a, uh, as the, as it related to the, the station, right? So, you know, there would be times when literally they would call me on air. They'd be like, Brandon, this is what we're doing. How come it's not on the website? <laughs> um, and just really kind of figuring out like what that would look like. Uh, you know, another big part of it was just, again, there was just so much flexibility. Um, yeah. We could do just a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, it was like a frat house sometimes, like yeah. looking back on it and just knowing like how much just flexibility we had to kind of do things. Like at one point we actually, we actually did a reality show. Like we, we literally went and found like a a house up in Smyrna, um, (laughs) some kind of way convinced the real estate agent to let us rig it up with like cameras and microphones for a week, moved all the zone shows up there. We uh, had a toga party one night. (laughs) We some kind of way convinced Hooters, let us do a, 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 uh, a video shoot or a photo mm-hmm. shoot in the backyard at the pool. Yeah. Um, that was the most streamed thing the whole weekend. <laughs> so it was like, it was stuff like that, right? It was like, what yeah. other radio stations and what other just places in, and even back in 2006, 2007, we're like thinking about really kind of interesting ways to use radio or use web to support radio in like different ways. Sure. And, and so it gave me a lot of just 
I learned a lot just in a very short amount of time. But it was definitely a, a little bit of a, an adjustment for them early on. But yeah. once they got onto it and once they started to see that it was helping as well as there was revenue tied to it, that, right. that makes things a lot easier. After working in radio for several years, Brandon's career shifted. This time, he looked inward for a new path and began his first journey into the life of a startup builder. And after I left 790, I took some of the money I had saved up and I opened up, uh, it was called the website shop. Hmm. And so it was literally a chain of brick and mortar web design stores. I kind of had this crazy idea because web design is such like a referral based business that, you know, what if we actually put a, a brick and mortar web design store in a mall? So after I left 790, that was what I immediately did is I went and, and took all the money I basically had saved up and opened up my first website shop. It was in Norflake Mall, and uh, it was literally, it was right in the front. You would walk in, you could walk up and basically order a website, and, you know, we would build it over a week or two. Yeah. Um, it was right there in the mall. Uh, ended up taking that and was, um, I won the Black Enterprise, like, pitch contest award, won some money for that. Started just, that's when I kind of started to get more into, like, this whole startup. And, yeah and just real entrepreneurship for a while. And then while I was doing that, I ended up, just because I had some other things I had to take care of, ended up taking the job at Cox, and that's when I started doing the product management stuff. And that didn't last too long. I was so busy with the website shop stuff, I went back right. there. And um, yeah, after that, uh, the website shop went on for a couple of years. Um, when that kind of started to phase out, exited that business, was able to kind of, you know, sell it and break even, yeah. <laughs> which is a good situation. Always. We grew to about uh, three locations. Um, and then nice. I, after I got rid of that, uh, went to work at uh, NBA Digital. And so that was during the NBA mm -hmm. lockout season. They brought me in um, as, the, as the project lead to help get all their apps launched that year. <laughs> um, so again, got back into kind of just, you know, digital and content and tech. And then after that, left there because that was only a short-term project because what happened with the NBA lockout is everything for the NBA got put on hold, in right. including the development of all the apps. Hmm. And then when the lockout was over, they had like a, maybe a month and a half period to get everything done. And so left there and ended up going to uh, public broadcast in Atlanta where I ran digital there for about, eh, it wasn't that long. Like, you know, so the thing about, thing about that, it was a good situation, but kind of like 790, you know, you had a lot of folks in there who were, used to doing things a certain yeah. way old school mindset yeah, yeah. I, I remember you know somebody saying to me why would a a, a radio or tv personality ever need twitter <laughs> um and so i knew at that point you know that probably wasn't going to be the place plus i had to dress up every day so i knew that just probably wasn't going to be a place for me long term and uh ended up uh leaving there and going to edelman um edelman's a pr firm they're the largest pr firm in the world they have <laughs> an office out here in atlanta and really quickly went there from, I came in as like tech director and within maybe a year and a half, two years, got promoted to VP hmm. and was the VP of digital up there for about close to four years. Yeah. Um, while I was there, I, I was uh, also started pursuing my MBA at Georgia Tech. So then I graduated from the executive MBA program at Tech. Uh, did what all uh, tech grads do is go work in consulting for Accenture <laughs> for a while. Decided that that wasn't really feeling that. Um, and then ended up here at Dagger. Dagger is a um, you know strategic content creative agency so um you know our, i think our mission our goal is honestly to become one of the most compelling places for growth-minded talent in atlanta mm -hmm. i mean we want to become that agency uh that you know that people go to i think when you think about just the agency kind of you know marketing content you know creative standpoint mm -hmm. in a lot of cities there are you know everybody knows who the big shop is in that city and sure. i think in atlanta while there's a lot of great agencies there's not really one that's like, this is, you know, it's the one that stands out beyond all the rest. So yeah. from a dagger standpoint, I mean, we're just super aggressive and really becoming, you know, one of the most well-known, most visible agencies in the city. 
Uh, we do a work for a lot of a, a lot of brands around here. Everybody from Sweetwater to um, IHG to Boys and Girls Club, yeah. um, and a lot of other brands. So really, just trying to grow in that space and just get the best people and the best talent and just create the best content. You know, after being at Dagger for a few months, started kind of having conversations with with our CEO Mike Kapowski about the just doing something different in Atlanta and just yeah. how brands should be thinking like media companies and. You know, he was the one that actually kind of started to come up with this idea of media company. We didn't know what it was going to be at that point, but when, by the time it kind of became butter, um, I was just in a position to, you know, kind of start helping with that team. And then we had kind of a point where we wanted to just really, you know, really kind of take it to the next level. And so I got involved um, on a more regular basis. And, yeah. you know, the rest is history, as they say. So if somebody came, uh, you met somebody on the street and they asked you uh, to describe butter.atl. What, how would you describe that in your, in you know, your 30-second just kind of rundown of, of what the goal of that is? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, Butter is, as I kind of call it, it's Atlanta's culture channel, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a world, you got to think about it, right? Like in a world where there's so many publications, you know, in Atlanta specifically. Like I grew up reading The Creative Loafing. I grew right. up, you know, reading AJC and like visiting all these sites. But the reality is, you know, even with Dagger, like we were, we were one of the few agencies that were founded kind of after everybody had a mobile phone, as yeah. we say, kind of after the proliferation of social and mobile, right? So, you know, everything we do comes from very much a mobile first kind of mentality, not yeah. just on the web, but just understanding that's how people consume content. So it's really the same with Butter, right? When you think about all these other, you know, publications, outlets, media companies, um, a lot of them weren't really formed when, you know, when mobile and social were kind of at scale. Mm-hmm. So even for us, we think about, you know, again, that's where people consume content at. People consume content through apps most of the time, even on their mobile device, you know, the, the, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitter. Yeah. And so how do you kind of reimagine creating uh, highly relevant, high velocity content through the lens of uh, mobile in, in 2019 and beyond? And kind of that's what we focus on. So when the idea f- ideas first started um, percolating, for lack of a better word, the what was the initial goal of how you were going to present content on butter atl was the how did the the whole theme of okay we're going to take the instagram feed and we're going to do something creative with it come about yeah so i mean early on we were trying a couple of different approaches i wasn't fully involved at that point but we were just trying like different approaches to create you know content and seeing what kind of resonated first there was more of a national play Um, and we were kind of trying to tap into like bigger conversations that were going on. I think one of the more successful things that we did at that point, there was that whole Yanny Laurel thing that was going on a couple, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that was one of the few things. But what we kind of just realized was there's just in a city like Atlanta, there's just so much opportunity. And on top of that, just, you know, we Atlanta creates and drives culture, you mm-hmm. know, at a, at, a, at, a, at a nationwide scale. A lot of that comes through music, but also just the kind of things that we do, the kind of, you know, businesses and people that are out here. So. Uh, we really kind of just started taking a step back and looking and saying, like, is this this is where we think the real opportunity is? Yeah. I think the the look and feel of the feed came up. I mean, you know, with the team, I mean, that was I was kind of inspired by some just some different things that I had saw online. But one thing I'm, I kind of pushed early on was that I, you know, I had seen people do grids, but I had never really seen seen anybody kind of do a grid like that. And I think this that's just my mentality is, you know, if I see everybody kind of doing one thing, like how can I make that specific tweak on it? Sure. Even go back to the website shop, right? Like there were lots of people that were, you know, designing websites, but I knew that, you know, if I was competing with people that were meeting you at Starbucks, um, if I had a brick and mortar location in the mall, that would kind of set me apart. <laughs> right. And, and so it was the same thing when it came to, um, to Instagram, it was like, how can we do something that is just completely creative, completely different, uh, it might take people a second to kind of get on and understand, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. But yeah. 
for me, I could kind of early on, you know, see what, you know, I, I, I would just imagine what would this thing look like after, you know, six months and I could sure. kind of see it. And so we just kind of started doing it and, you know, we would just see what happens. And, you know, that's how, you know, that's just that startup fail fast, test yeah. and repeat kind of mentality. And uh, I think we just, you know, we created something that nobody had really seen before. Um, and just, you know, the level of quality and, the, and I think also the consistency of it is, is, are some of the things that have just helped us, as I say, kind of hit cruising altitude, you know, pretty quickly sure. and, and go from, you know, as I kind of say, zero to influencer um, in a short amount of time. Tell me about the process of coming up with whatever your, your issue is going to be that week. The process of kind of deciding on a topic. Does it go through design first and then you build on kind of the, the main piece of content that you see on the feed? Or is it gather all the content and then come up with a design on the end? What's your process there? Yeah, I mean, so as executive director, I mean, my role is just to kind of drive, one, the overall vision, but also just, you know, continue to kind of put us out there and help us do as we say more and better. So yeah. a lot of times just because I'm so, you know, I've, I've been in Atlanta my whole life and I just know what the things are. Um, yeah. A lot of times for the team, I'll kind of set like, here's the, here's the direction that we're going in, right? And, then I, and I mean, from that standpoint, we have a lot of great creatives on the team. They can bring that stuff to life. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, MARTA was one of the things that we talked about um, recently. We did a, a issue that was um, the MARTA rail. So it was kind of yeah. play on Oregon Trail meets MARTA. <laughs> and again, how the way that kind of comes to part is, you know, it's like, I know we should do something on MARTA because MARTA is one of those things. Yeah. Um, but then we start just kind of brainstorming and, you know, we have conversations and just start kind of throwing ideas around. And I don't remember who, I don't remember even how we ended up on Oregon Trail. Maybe it was me or maybe it was somebody else, <laughs> but we were just like, you know, it'd be funny if we redid MARTA's Oregon Trail. Yeah. And then somebody said, yeah, you'll die dysentery. And it was, it was all downhill <laughs> from there. Right. And, and it's really, that's how, that's how we kind of set it. So, I mean, for the most part, in a lot of situations, I'll kind of set, like, here's the thing we should kind of go after. Yeah. Um, but I really, like, try to give the team as much creative leeway and, in, 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 you know, and just um, autonomy as possible. Like, I'm not a micromanager, um, you know, and I'll say, you know, like, this is the thing we're going to tackle. But because you get different perspectives and different people on there, that's how you come up with really cool, interesting pieces of content. Yeah. There's a – it seems like a kind of a colliding of heads in some ways now with companies and the two different approaches of – okay, we have, to, we have to protect the bottom line, we have to make money, and then we have to stay relevant and put out content that um, kind of puts off to the, to the public that you, know, you have your eyes open, we have our ears open. Is that something you guys struggle with with Butter? Is, okay, how do we make the best content, the most relevant content as possible, but still make sure that, that this endeavor is not a huge drain on the, the dagger bottom line? How do you guys balance that? Totally. Well, I mean, I, th I think that just speaks to just the, the, the forward thinking um, mentality of, of Mike, the CEO, and the rest of the leadership team here at, at Dagger. Um, I mean, Butter is something that, that the, the, the company is invested in and committed to. Yeah. Um, you know, we knew that in order to stand it up, it was going to take money and resources mm -hmm. to do it. And what the great thing about it is, um, you know, our primary objective from a Butter standpoint right now isn't to, you know, what's the quickest way we can make a dollar. Um, mm -hmm. We can be you know, a little bit more strategic in what we think makes sense because we want to protect, you know, the authenticity and, and just our credibility. But on the flip side, I think it really, it really helps us because the, the other thing that Butter really is, it's like the ultimate case study. Hmm. Um, it's the ultimate way for the folks, even on the dagger side of the business, because I work on both sides of the business as well, but hmm. even on the dagger side, you know, for us to be able to stand up and say like, yes, brand check like media companies, and we as a brand are acting like a media company. Here yeah. is our media company. 
I mean, that just becomes an instant differentiator when you're mm-hmm. going and you're talking to potential clients and brands. They see that you're actually, you know, you're actually, you know, drinking your own Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, so eating you your know, own dog food. Right. Like and, and, yeah. and, you know, the, and the great thing is, like I said, it's it's created, you know, opportunities um, on both sides of the business. It's created revenue opportunities mm-hmm. on the dagger side. It's also created opportunities for revenue on the butter side. Yeah. Um, so, again, ultimately, you know, that's it's great that we're in a situation where, again, for at least for butter, like, dollars isn't our main objective right now yeah. it's really just about you know relevance and attention and there's a, a long-term commitment from you know the rest of the folks here at dagger um to help make it something make it something that uh everybody's proud of what were your strategies early on with butter to to get the word out and kind of educate the public that this thing existed uh early on i mean it was just to focus on making relevant content and to kind of figure out like what was going on and how we could tap into conversations uh, you know, beyond that, it was, you know, we had to obviously include some strategy to just amplify some of our posts and get some visibility. But yeah. again, we just knew that once we could kind of get some consistency and kind of hit some scale and just, mm-hmm. uh, just make good stuff, you know, as you say, if you make it, people will come. Yeah. Um, I can't, I'm trying to think of like what was like one of the first real kind of breakthrough moments. Um, you know, it would probably be. We did some content around, I mean, we were making like stuff like, so we have like a series called Atlantapedia. We have some episodic serial content, but mm-hmm. we did this one, um, we did this one series called Sneakerheads um, in partnership with uh, another media company out here called Blossom. Yeah. They're a, um, a, a, f- a female focused media company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did this partnership with them on some content called Sneakerheads, where it talked about Atlanta based female shoe collectors <laughs> and uh, Killer Mike DM'd us. <laughs> um, and uh, he just he just saw some of the content that we created around just sneakers and sneaker culture and something we did on Wish ATL. And that was when we kind of knew um, that this thing was starting to people were hearing people, were, people were starting to pay attention to it. And, yeah. and ever since then, um, you know, again, just we've had more and more brands, influencers, people kind of reach out to us. And I, I think that people just, you know, respect the work. And I think that's just a testament to like all the great folks who are on the team, you know, making making all the great stuff you see on the feed. What are you guys tenants for, for Butter individually about? how you want that brand to be perceived by the by the public what's important to you in in branding butter yeah i mean i mean it's 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 kind of as i say the abcs right it's all about you know being um authentic believable and credible hmm. um you know there's a big concern out here in atlanta people always throw around the term like gentrification and right. you know even as a even as a even as a black person myself i mean i've seen how the city's grown over the years and changed but at the same time i think there are ways that we can respect the past but also look at the future and what's relevant yeah and it's kind of having that balance you know I'm, I'm i'm not making we're not making content for one group or the other group we're making content for people that like atlanta and love atlanta yeah you know so there are going to be certain things that resonate with people more than other mm-hmm. things but i think it's consistently kind of figuring out what that balance is and consistently just trying to hit all these kind of tribes or small groups of interested people sure um you know the the thing we always say is again is atlanta uh, butter is atlanta's culture channel and our definition of culture is people like us do things like this so we think about the people places and things that make atlanta relevant again atlanta is one of the only places where you can go you know to the high museum to go check out infinity mirrors and then you can go to magic city <laughs> you know in the same with the same group of people and it's just yeah. cool because that's how the yeah. city is right like we just we're just a different type of mentality out here. And I think it's, that's how I look at it. And I think that's yeah. how the rest of the team looks at it. And just knowing that um, Atlanta is not just one thing. It's a, it's a very, as I say, it's becoming more and more of even like a polyethnic city where yeah. just, you know, the people, you know, who they are culturally isn't always who they are ethnically. And sure. as those lines get blurred and as different people, different experiences keep coming into the city, I think it's for us 
to continue to find ways to kind of tell those stories and, and tell them in just unique and different ways. Yeah. Um, like even when we do interviews, I tell everybody that we interview, um, we don't want to do the same old what inspired you. We want to find kind of a, a new way to kind of put a spin on that. So if that means that, you know, you got to, you know, bungee jump and do the interview. I mean, there's everything's on the table. And yeah. I think even with that, just um, it gets people to think and believe differently about how they can, you know, create content and tell their own stories. Do you foresee a day where Butter does kind of prop itself up financially and kind of operates as a as its own business? Or do you think it's always something that, um, you know, like you said, right now, fin financial uh, kind of independence is not the most important thing? Um, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't I didn't go to uh, Georgia Tech to get my MBA to, <laughs> you know, to run an Instagram channel. Um, and so I think, you know, for us, yeah. you know, we'll look for those opportunities as they make sense. Mm -hmm. um, again, we've been able to do some things early on a lot faster than even, you know, anybody here imagined where sure. we were actually able to, uh, you know, create some revenue opportunities right. and create some good partnerships. And I think that's just, again, an early testament to what's possible. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, it's something that we want to make it be self-sustainable. You know, we want it to, to have, um, we want to just do more and more, right? And again, yeah. th that takes resources, that takes money, that takes uh, getting the right people on the bus. So, you know, over time, you know, as we start to do more things beyond just IG, as I always say, we are a media company. We're rolling out uh, long form content now. Hmm. We're starting to produce that. That'll start coming out on YouTube next month. Um, we're in the early stages of building out a podcast studio to start doing hmm. some more podcasting. Nice. Um, you know, experience is going to be a big push for us this year. You know, actually, you know, as I say, breaking the fourth wall, because even coming from the 790 days, like one of the one of the main things I learned there was it's all about butts and seats. Yeah. And, you know, even when we had like an AM signal again, it, you know, our signal would uh, adjust as the sun would set <laughs> right back in the day. So, you know, it's 790 was really very event driven. Um, and that kind of taught me early on that, you know, it's great that you can have this media company and this megaphone, but if you can't mobilize crowds and audiences, right, then you're missing out. And so, um, you know, for us. That's going to be a very big push. Um, we've partnered with a couple of brands already. We're in the early pre-production stages of doing some experiences and events that are going to start happening. Um, you know, uh, May, uh, April, May, June this year. So, yeah. really excited to kind of see how that stuff starts to come to life, just so people can see how the Butter brand actually shows up, um, not just online, but actually in real life. I want to talk about a little bit of the the elephant in the room. You know, you always, as a media company, want to deliver people content to places you know that they're consuming it. But at the same time, you've built uh, sort of this this beast and, and kind of the home of butter on somebody else's platform totally. and Instagram. Is that something that you worry about? Is that just part of kind of the stage of where you guys are now and, and maybe you work to sort of um, you know, build up uh, an owned property down the line, or, or are you just buying all into the, hey, we got to go where people's eyes are? Totally. I think, you know, the, the thing about me is, again, my background, my background's in technology. Yeah. I've been in tech pre my, my entire life, my entire mm -hmm. career. I've, like I said, built websites, apps. And so if anybody gets it, I get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've preached that same thing of be careful, you know, how you build your, where you build your platform at. You know, I think for us right now, um, again, Instagram is where the attention is. And yeah. so that that's where it makes sense for us to kind of show up at first. Uh, obviously, we're going to start building out, like I said, other platforms and other places where we can kind of, you know, as I say, kind of go shallow and wide and create surface area and yeah. take up a lot of space. Um, but, you know, even things that happened like the other week where there was kind of the Instagram outage and stuff like that, you know, yeah. the thing about that is I always say is what's, you know, it's great that we have 20 plus thousand followers, but what's even better is that we have thousands of email addresses and yeah. thousands of text message phone phone numbers for text messaging and that's something that I've been building in from the very beginning 
Um, so I, and again, because I, I just knew that you can't, like I said, you, can, you have to be very careful about building your platform on somebody else's platform. So right. from the very beginning, I've, you know, whether or not I, I was super vocal about it, it's just been something I just have done naturally. Um, and we'll figure out kind of where that segment that where we kind of make that jump it will be at. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, I think, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you can get in contact with your audience, that's the main thing. Right. And you know how to leverage them. You know, I always kind of look at house of highlights on on um, Instagram. I mean, they started off as Instagram solely channel. They were able to grow to 11 million plus people before they got acquired. And so there's a there's the ability to kind of do that. I just think it's again, it's you know, you just have to be careful, you know, yeah. as, I, as I kind of say, like, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of channels and stuff out there that they have large followings, but again, they don't know anything about their audience. They don't have any way to get in contact with them. They don't have email addresses. They don't have mailing lists. They don't have all these things. So for us, that's something I've, we've always been building in. Um, and we're looking to activate against it more and more. But right now, again, our focus is just on Instagram because that's where the attention is. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've seen it and when we've talked about it, you know, I've, talked about whether or not we build out, I mean, we'll build out more, more, a more robust website or we'll build out like a app or whatever that kind of looks like. But I think at the end of the day is as long as you own your data somewhere, that's a starting point. Sure. And, and that's something that we've always kind of been doing from day one. Brandon's career has taken him in several different directions. But one thing we noticed was despite all the job changes in his pursuit to continually grow, there's been one pretty common theme, Atlanta. You know, there was a point in my life where I moved to L.A. for a little over a year. Um, I went to be a DJ, yeah. and that didn't work out that great. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, you know, even being out there, um, I remember I kind of came to a point where it was like, okay, I can stay out here and, you know, live, as I call it, the entourage lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I can go get me some roommates and, and see what happens. Um, or I can go back to Atlanta. And honestly, I've, I've traveled quite a bit. I've been to, you know, plenty of other places in, in, in the U.S. And, and internationally. And honestly... You know, I tell people there's not a lot of places I can think of that, you know, I would want to move to just because Atlanta has just such a unique mix of things. Right. Like it's great cost of living. You know, it's a great city. It's yeah. it's growing. There are things happening out here. Um, and again, like one of the things I hope that happens with Butter more and more as we try to pull more people into the platform and tell more stories is that, as they always say, like Atlanta doesn't always get a chance to tell its own story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's really important that we work with, you know, people out here that are making things happen, that we work with people that are creating and making content, because I think if we can, you know, kind of unify and create a platform and, and, and show the world that Atlanta can tell its own stories and create its own content, then that'll be something that'll help kind of raise the tide together. Right. Yeah. So, you know, again, as I've, I've, I've traveled around, I've looked at different places and I think, you know, it used to be a time where you had to move to LA if you wanted to be, you know, an actor, if you wanted right. to get in music, you had to go to New York if you wanted to kind of be, you know, in finance, you had to move to Silicon Valley if you want to be in tech. I think, you know, Atlanta is showing that you can do all those things from here. Yeah. Um, and because I've worked in so many different spaces and, and industries, um, I can see it happening. And so, again, even right now, it's just hard for me to kind of imagine um, where else I would go that I could get all those things at. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, Atlanta's you know, it's definitely, um, it's hit scale, as they say it. Now it's just a matter of seeing, you know, how things kind of continue to build out. And that's why I'm just really happy and blessed to kind of be in a position to help, you know, lead a team that's created something that matters. Hmm. You know, I think that's always been my goal um, is, is to, at some point in my career, create something that would matter if it did not exist. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Butter has become one of those things where, you know, like, again, it's, it's been a team effort, but I can definitely say that I think it's one of those things that matters. And if it didn't exist, 
you know, that would be a conversation that wasn't happening. So I'm really glad that we were able to create it. You've probably done this already, but if you haven't, head on over to Butter's Instagram page at butter.atl and enjoy the beautiful feed and exciting content they're producing. You can find their website at butteratl.com. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectsatl.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. Hopefully you noticed that this week our credits music is from local artists right here in Atlanta. We are happy to present Rashawn's single, Pray For This, off his debut mixtape, No Previews. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon. I remember I would pray for this. My whole lifetime I couldn't wait for this. Now I know what patience is.